Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. A parliamentary committee report says that the threat of foreign interference in our country is real uh, and more action is needed. To talk about all of this, uh, including where we are today, Phil Gursky is with us, president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, and he is with us now. Phil, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Good afternoon, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well, and you? Very well, thank you. Uh, before we get into what we were originally supposed to talk about, what are your thoughts on where we are with COVID nineteen from a risk and uh, from a risk consulting perspective? What does this mean to people in your world? Well, that's a really good question. And as you said in your intro, it's all COVID all the time right now. We can't go on a web page or open a conversation yeah. without talking about this. I just want to say that the prime minister made his address what about an hour ago now. I listened to it. I, you know, not everyone likes JT, and I'm, I'm, I waffle on him. But I gotta say, he sounded pretty prime ministerial to me today. Mm-hmm. I think he said the right things. He said, you know, trust in science, trust in the health authorities, don't trust on Twitter and Facebook to get your advice. So I think he's doing really well. You know, this is a tough one because there's so many unknowns with COVID. We're not quite sure really how it's transmitted. We're not quite sure how long it remains in the system. I saw a report today that said upwards of 37 days it can remain in your system. Mm. People are asymptomatic for sometimes or very, you know, low symptoms. So there's so many questions here. It's really hard to come up with a risk model for this. But I do think that, you know, there are some basic things that people have to do. You know, and we all know what they are, like, you know, hand washing yep. and self-quarantine and that kind of stuff until we learn more. So that would be the best advice I'd give to people. Listen to the experts, of which I am not one when it comes to COVID, yeah. and uh, do what they say. It's as simple as that. Should we be more restrictive over travel? Uh, the, the, we thought that we might hear that from the Prime Minister today, uh, basically said he doesn't advise, he advises against any non-essential travel uh, internationally. Uh, but what about, you know, and was asked domestically, what about traveling within the country or even to the United States? And he basically said, listen to the experts. Um, that being said, uh, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, should we be should we be clamping down more on this or just given the advice and the rest is up to us? Well, yeah, and those are great questions. I, I did notice that um, they're trying to sort of channel most of foreign travel through a couple of airports in Canada, which mm-hmm. means we can better localize who may in fact be infected. Bottom line, Scott, is I think you, you got to kind of trust your gut on this one. And there's no question that other countries like Italy and South Korea and, of course, China and Iran have suffered from this. Uh, you know, orders are managed more than we have. So going there is not a good idea. The other problem, of course, is that if you do travel, you may come into contact with, with people from other countries who may have traveled there as well. So you're, you're increasing your risk by gathering with people you don't know very well who may or may not be infected. So I, I think it's just basically it's common sense to me. I do recognize the, the effect on the economy. We, we're hearing about cruise companies might go under. Mm. Of course, airline stocks are tanking because of this kind of thing. I'm just thankful I have no travel coming up in the next month and a half. But I, again, I just think we, we take the advice we're, we're given and, and, and take it to heart. And, you know, uh, these, these people are experts for a reason. Hmm. And they know a lot more about this than you and I do. And so I would simply defer to them and, and uh, do what they tell us to do, because that's the best advice you're going to get. Is there a security aspect in all of this? Is there something we can learn from this? Oh, wow. You're giving all the tough questions on Friday the 13th. <laughs> well, um, you know, if, if you don't say it, then I have to talk about it. So it's easier this way. I'm just passing the buck. Well, I just had actually just had coffee with a friend uh, who's still working in the national security um, industry here in Canada for the government. And I asked her that question, like, you know, are, are you guys downing tools? She says, well, we can't, but we certainly are going to uh, try to minimize our, our people coming to work where possible. Unfortunately, when you work in intelligence, you can't work from home for obvious reasons. Um, does it create a risk? 
Yeah, I suppose it does. But I'd like to think that, you know, they have, to, and I know for a fact, they do have contingency plans in place. So there will be people there to monitor the risks and the threats that we have and to try to ensure to the best of our ability that no one takes advantage of the fact that, you know, we're kind of not working on a skeleton crew per se, but definitely on less than optimal manpower. And that, you know, I just hope that bad guys don't, don't realize this as well. Maybe they're suffering, maybe they're hunkering in their basements as well because they're afraid of getting it. And hence, we won't see those hmm. types of incidents that we, we could be more successful due to the fact that we don't have as many watchers out there. Uh, obviously, as you said, with all the chatter in around uh, the coronavirus, uh, a lot of the other news of the day is lost in the sauce here. Uh, now the threat of foreign interference in Canada, uh, more than ever, we're being advised more than ever to uh, to counter this. There's a significant and sustained effort uh, to meddle from China and Russia, other state actors as well, according to this latest uh, report. We talk about this a lot. Is anything being done here, Phil? A lot's being done. And I just want to, before I go on, Scott, I want to tell your listeners, like, I never worked foreign intelligence when I worked for CSIS, so it's not my forte, but I had a lot of colleagues who did. And, and, you know, this report is new in the sense that Canadians are being told this. This isn't new, Scott. I mean, you know, foreign espionage has been going around since Price was a carpenter. So this is nothing new about this. The actors aren't new. It's China and Russia. Surprise, surprise, China and Russia aren't our friends. What's new to me is the extent to which the government, and the, the, the committee you cite is the National Security Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, it's a rather new body, it's been around for about a year and a half, to what extent they are having a conversation with Canadians, and that's a good thing. I've always advocated, you know, I spent 32 years in security intelligence, and I always thought we, we had to be more vocal than less. Obviously, there's things we can't talk about, yeah. ongoing ops, that kind of thing, but we need to have a conversation with Canadians. So I'm glad they didn't come up with this, because it reminds people that this threat, and let's face it, when you and I talk, Scott, it's always about terrorism, right? Mm. This threat predates terrorism, as I said, and it's always been there. And thankfully, we have people at CSIS and the RCMP and CSE doing their job to try and try and figure out who these people are. But the fact that Canadians are now informed can only be a good thing. Uh, this is ongoing, as you have said. Uh, what can we do? Are we, you know, does this only come up around election time, or is this going on continuously? It's been going on since day one, and it goes on every day. The bottom line for me, and this is, you know, I don't have access to intelligence anymore, so I have access to the same stuff that you do, which is open source information. The the advice I give people is when you read something, the first question you ask yourself, what's the source? Is the source reliable? Is the person saying this credible? Do they have any experience in this? Because we do know that these actors like China and Russia, they do put out fake information. They want people to distrust their government. They want to undermine democracy. They want to subvert our liberal democratic systems, and they want to make us afraid. They want to make us doubtful. And I think that, you know, when you read this stuff on Facebook or Twitter or God knows what, your first question should be, why should I believe it? Mm. It's almost like the default is not to believe it until such time as you think it's credible. That would be the advice I would give to Canadians. Is this a situation where it's consumer user beware? I mean, is is that the best line of defense here? It's not the only one. Like I said, I do know for a fact in my time at CSIS that the, you know, so CSIS obviously has a, a broad mandate, counterterrorism, counterintelligence, counterinterference. I had a lot of colleagues who were working in counterintelligence and trying to identify and neutralize those actors who were doing this and, and, and where it was appropriate to, to, uh, to PNG them, to kick them out of the country because they weren't doing what they're supposed to do as diplomats or as whatever. So no, they're very effective in that, in that regard. But the problem is, is that there's just so much information out there, thanks to social media, which is both a, a, a blessing and a, and a curse, right, in terms of what's out there, is that it's impossible for any government agency in a, in a liberal, secular democracy to stop that flow of information. We can, we, you know, we, Facebook's under a lot of pressure to get rid of terrorist information, as is Twitter and as is you know, Instagram. 
but you can't you can't turn the pipes off anymore. The taps the taps are open all the time. So as consumers, we do have a responsibility, as I said, to question what we're reading and to see is there a, is there a, is there an agenda behind this? Is someone trying to get me to think a certain way? And if the answer is yes, why they get me to think that way? So you should question what you're reading, absolutely. And that I think is the job of all Canadians. But as I said, CSIS and the RCMP are working flat out on this, and they're doing a good job. But we have a responsibility as, as Canadians and as, as voters. Are you surprised how primitive yet how advanced these uh, situations are? I mean, as I'm watching a report on the news last night where, you know, a, a small report, a remote part of the world where they've actually brought people in, hired them to actually sit at computers and, and push this stuff out, you know, out of a small office. It's hard to believe that is having such an impact. I know. It is, isn't it? Because in the old days, you couldn't do that. No. In the old days, you had you had a much more limited impact because you couldn't, you know, put stuff on, on social media and then hit send it and all of a sudden it's around the world. Yeah. So that's where the technology, I say, is it's great. And I love the fact that I have social media and Internet, but it's also opened up the door for other actors. He, he knows as well as I just got. Every technology that has a good side has a bad side, yeah. right? And, and the bad actors know this, and they do that. So I, I think what's different is the disproportionate effect, as you said, a small group can have in the middle of nowhere on people here in the Western world. That's what's changed is, is that. It's the, the nature of what they're doing, and what they're saying isn't different. It's the fact that when they hit send, it's all over the world instantaneously. Such an impact. Yeah. Phil Gursky has been with us, President and CEO Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. A parliamentary committee report says the threat of foreign interference in our country is real and more action is needed. And again, up to the user, com- uh, user consumer as well to try to verify all of this before they hit resend. Phil, thanks for the time and insight as always. Much appreciated. No worries, Scott. Have a good weekend. You too. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.